Good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to our service this morning. Uh, for wherever you are in the country or around the world, it's good to see so many of you joining us this morning as we come to worship our living God. Um, just uh, one or two notices um, before we start. Um, as you'll I'm sure be aware, we are going to open the church uh, on Good Friday and uh, Easter Sunday and then every Sunday after that. Um, but if you intend to attend, um, please would you contact Evelyn in the office and uh, say that you're coming. Um, we will be restricted on numbers because we still have to uh, socially distance. So if you would like to come, please let Evelyn know and uh, we can then sort that out. Now for the Good Friday service um, this coming week, uh, it's a 10 o'clock start instead of a 10.30 start. So if you intend to come, then please remember it's 10 o'clock. Uh, also, um, it will be communion as part of that service. So please uh, arm yourself with bread and wine. And if you're coming to the church building, uh, you'll also need to bring with you your own bread and wine. Uh, we're unable to serve it uh, due to the uh, current restrictions. So a 10 o'clock start on Friday, but a 10.30 start on Easter Sunday and then normally 10.30 every Sunday. So both it will be on Zoom as well as uh, attendance. So whichever way you'd like to attend, then uh, we look forward to seeing you. Now, as uh, has been suggested, it is uh, Palm Sunday and Alison uh, asked everyone last week to remember to um, find a palm leaf either um, from your garden or like I did uh, from um, uh, the internet and then cut it out and uh, attach the straw to it so that uh, we can wave it at the, the relevant time when we come to sing. So well done for all those I can see uh, on the screen. Um, if you would like prayer after the service, uh, then there is that opportunity. Please call John on 07 uh, That will appear again at the end. Uh, if you're texting him, please uh, add your name. But if you're phoning him, you can tell him your name, uh, which will be good. Well, let's pray. And then uh, I invite Steve to lead us in some sung worship. Father, as we gather together this morning, we recognize that we're not all in one place, that we're in very many different places around the country, around the world. But Lord, we are one in you, that through the power of your spirit and the cords of love, we are joined together this morning to come and worship at your feet. And as we worship, Lord, we want you to speak to us. So will you move by your spirit to open our hearts and our minds that we might receive from you this morning. As we bless you, may you bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Steve, please uh, lead us in sung worship. Morning, everyone. Lovely to see you all. Just wave your palms, whether it's your hands or your palm leaves. Yes. So let's join together in worship and praise and adoration to our God. Hosanna. Um, our hallelujahs bringing glory to God as we sing together. Everyone's coming to praise. 
joining together to honor your name. Jesus is Lord, we will sing over everything. Everyone's coming to praise, showing the world it is Jesus who reigns. He is the light and the way over everything. So lift up your voice to our God, for He reigns. God, be glorified. God, be glorified. Be glorified. Praise the Holy One 
light is your love and grace You never change, you never fail, oh God So we raise up holy hands To praise the Holy One Who was and is and is to Your name with hearts full of praise. 
Hosanna in the highest Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest Lord, we lift up your name With hearts full of praise Be exalted, O Lord, my God Hosanna in the highest Let's come to God in prayer. Let's bring him our prayers of praise and our prayers of intercession. So if you'd like to pray, then please uh, unmute yourself and pray. Father, we thank you for all that you do for us. For every minute of every day, you are there right beside us. There are times when uh, we're uh, at a low and they are the times that you carry us through those difficult situations. Well, Lord, we want to thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us, that you are a faithful God who honours your promises. And that wherever we are, whenever we look to you, we know that our help can come from you. And now as we come before you to bring you our words of praise, those things that are laid on our heart, which need a touch of your hand. We pray that you will hear us and you will respond. But in each of the situations that you will receive the glory because we ask them in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the, the lands of other nations. The work of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are steadfast forever and ever, done in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Lord, we just thank you that we can come to you and praise you and give you all the glory and worship that is due your name, Lord, that you've revealed yourself to us, that we can come on this Palm Sunday as the people cried out, Hosanna, we can say Hosanna to you, Hosanna to the Son of David, you are our God, our the living God, praise your name, hallelujah, amen. man had walked from one end of the country to the other. He was no ordinary man. He taught in the synagogues with authority. He cured lepers. He restored withered limbs. He raised at least three people from the dead. When folks find out where he was staying, they brought their sick and lame, and he cured them all. On Palm Sunday, when he journeyed to Jerusalem, crowds joined him, saying, Hosanna, 
Then he was betrayed, falsely accused and beaten. Where were the voices of the mothers, brothers, sisters of those he had healed? Even his disciples deserted him. The crowds preferred the company of a robber rather than Jesus and all he had done for them. But this was the will of God and God's will would always be completed. This time for the benefits and salvation of us all. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for being with uh, Josh as he's gone through this uh, chemotherapy. And we pray, Father, that as he goes for his last one this coming week, that you will be by his side and that this will be the end of it all. And Father, we just thank you for the, the family, the whole family who have been with him all the way. And Father, we just thank you for being there for all of us at this time. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, we lift um, a number of our folk to you today for your continued healing. Lord, we pray for Dorothy. Thank you that uh, she was able to uh, to come out, come out of hospital. Lord, we just pray your healing on on her leg that the, uh, the blackness would would decrease and that Lord that leg would would be healed in Jesus' name. And Lord, we we pray to for um, Janet Mills as Lord she uh, continues to have. Uh, treatment and uh, Lord we pray uh, against any clotting or anything that would uh, be of concern Lord we just pray that um, you take away any nausea and any reaction to to the medication but Lord you just be with the medical staff as they seek to to bring her the treatment that she needs so just bless her today Lord we pray and give her your peace your comfort your strength and we pray for for Peter Redmond too Lord as he uh, starts uh, just just has begun a, a new course of uh, a new treatment for his uh, ra and lord we just pray your blessing mm. and healing on him too in jesus name amen i'd just like to pray for my mum pat who's known to many people at heather vale um, she's been struggling with some um, abdominal pains of which she had to um, attend A&E. We just pray now that those uh, antibiotics will work. Um, the test results will come back negative um, and she'll soon be back to her, um, her bubbly self. We ask that in your precious name. Amen. And I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and thousand times ten thousand they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders with a loud voice they sang worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise then i heard creature every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. 
and the elders fell down and worshipped. We thank you for those words, uh, that that is our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. And therefore we know that as we've come before the throne of grace to bring our words of praise and our petitions before him, that he will honour our prayers. And Jesus, we do thank you for all the prayers that we have seen answered, even over this last year, uh, in and out of lockdown, we have seen your hand at work. And Father, as we unlock again uh, this coming week, well, we pray that there might be common sense among the people, that the right things will happen, the right people, the people will do the right things that will not cause this disease to take hold again. We do thank you for the scientists that have produced the vaccines and lord as we uh, probably start now the second dose of uh, a lot of people lord we pray that the flow of that vaccine will not stop that uh, this country as well as all the other countries will be immunized against this disease but we thank you it's been your hand at work that has caused this to happen so quickly and so we can only say thank you, Lord, from the bottom of our hearts for your faithfulness to each one of us and to your creation. Amen. Well, Mark is uh, now going to bring us an all-age talk, um, and I'm sure he's based it on Palm Sunday. Thank you, Mark. Hi everyone. So, do you know what day it is today? I'm sure you do. That's right. It's Palm Sunday. And that's a bit of a strange name for a day, isn't it? I wonder if you know why it's called that. You see, back in the day when Jesus was living on earth, when a king would come to a city or a town all the people would line the path and wave palm branches and cheer and shout to hail the coming king and this is what was happening when jesus came to jerusalem so let's have a quick look at the story and then we'll think about what it means afterwards On their way to Jerusalem, Jesus and his disciples were staying in Bethany. As they were preparing to go to Jerusalem, a great crowd gathered and Jesus told two of his disciples to go into the city and get a donkey. By the time they returned, the news had got out that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. People lined the streets and shouted, Hosanna! Hosanna! Which means saviour or rescuer. So Jesus got on the donkey and rode into town, followed by his disciples and a great procession. 
everyone was cheering and shouting and waving palm branches because they thought the king was coming. There was a lot of excitement. But the Pharisees and the Romans were not so pleased. They were jealous of Jesus' popularity and felt threatened by him because they thought he was undermining their authority. So one of them stepped forward and said to Jesus, you're causing a disturbance. Tell your followers to stop shouting and dancing and to go home immediately. But Jesus replied, even if I could stop them, don't you know that even the stones would cry out? Then he rode on into Jerusalem and the crowd continued to cheer and wave their palm branches. Jesus sure was popular, wasn't he? The people were excited because they thought that Jesus had come to be their king. And he had, but just not really in the way that they'd expected. You see, at that time, Israel was occupied and ruled by the Romans. They'd invaded and the people weren't free to live as they wanted to. Now, the Jews in Jerusalem thought that Jesus was coming as a king to save them from their invading enemies, the Romans, who were mistreating them. Because you see, there had been lots of prophecies predicting a Messiah, and that means king or savior. They thought that Jesus was this savior and was going to rescue Israel from the hands of the Romans to defeat them and restore the kingdom of their great king, David. But Jesus hadn't come to be that sort of king. Do you remember the way Jesus entered Jerusalem? He was riding on a donkey, and a donkey was seen as the lowest form of transport. It was normally reserved as a pack animal just for carrying heavy goods around. Kings would ride great horses or they'd ride in chariots to demonstrate their power and might. But Jesus came humbly riding on a donkey. This was a sign of the sort of king he was going to be. You see, the kingdom that Jesus came to restore wasn't an earthly kingdom, it was the kingdom of heaven, a kingdom based on God's love for us and his desire to have a relationship with us. Throughout his life, Jesus, talked about and demonstrated peace and love. He set us an example of how we should live 
our lives, not arguing or fighting, but putting others first and serving others. On many occasions, Jesus said, the first shall be last, and whoever wants to be great in the kingdom of heaven must first be a servant to all. So, before we finish, I wonder, can we take some time to think about how we can follow in Jesus' footsteps, how we can demonstrate love and help bring his peace? Maybe it could be doing something nice for someone or not arguing or bearing a grudge even, or maybe we need to say sorry to someone if we've upset them, or even forgive someone if they've upset us. Let's just take a few moments to think about some ways in which we can share God's peace. It's difficult, isn't it? But I hope you thought of some things and that you're going to try and put them into practice. Thank you, Mark, for another excellent uh, all age talk. Uh, we continue our series in uh, Mark's Gospel and uh, Peter is going to bring us the reading this morning. Thank you, Peter. A reading from Mark 14. Now the Passover and festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Amen. Thank you, Peter. Let's pray for Martin as he comes to speak to us. Father, we thank you for your word and uh, that 
is a very familiar passage that we may have heard so many times. And yet your word is a living word, that it comes to life through the power of your spirit, working through uh, Martin as he's prepared. And so for what he has prepared, will you open our hearts and minds to receive, that we might not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word too. Bless him and bless us as we hear from you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Tony, Mark and Steve uh, for leading us through um, so well. Um, so we're, we're fast forwarding a bit this morning through Holy Week. Um, so we, in the first part of the service, we were focusing on uh, the triumphal entry on the Sunday before uh, Easter Sunday. And I'm fast forwarding uh, with you in this reading to the Wednesday uh, before um, before uh, Easter Sunday. So uh, come with me, if you would, from the Palm Sunday to uh, the Wednesday. Uh, that's the day before Jesus shared uh, the Passover meal in the evening with his disciples. Jesus uh, and his disciples are staying in Bethany, which is kind of a couple of miles outside Jerusalem. They're there for the uh, Passover festival. You'll probably be aware from the news that uh, on uh, just yesterday, the uh, Jewish people started celebrating the, the eight-day um, Passover festival, the day that, uh, or the, the festival that celebrates the rescue of the Israelites um, out of Egypt back in the, the time of, of Pharaoh and Moses. But the story of the anointing of Jesus here on the Wednesday is a study, really, of contrast. It's the contrast between the true devotion of the woman and the religious leaders, um, and, and of course Judas, who's one of the religious insiders close to Jesus. And we're going to look today at what we can learn about true devotion, and um, also what we can learn about how not to be truly devoted uh, through religion, perhaps. So first of all, a study of contrast, devotion and uh, betrayal. Now, Mark, Mark, as I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but Mark uses what's called a sandwich technique. He inserts stories um, between two sandwich layers. And you'll notice in verses one and two, and in verses 10 to 11, that we have the plotting of Judas and the religious authorities, either side of the story of the anointing of Jesus. Now that's deliberate, um, because what Mark wants us to see is the contrast between the woman and Judas and the religious leaders. So in verses one and two, we read, now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. And then again in verses 10 to 11, on the other side of this story, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Now, what's interesting is that the plotting um, to kill Jesus and having him arrested is done by the religious people. It's the insiders who are plotting against Jesus. The Jewish leaders who were responsible for leading the nation of Israel in its worship and service. And Judas, one of the inner circle, the 12 disciples of Jesus, they're the ones who are plotting to get rid of Jesus. And there's an irony here, of course, in Mark's gospel. 
they they're, they're plotting to wipe Jesus out for good. But of course, they're only doing what God's will beforehand said would happen. Little do they know that in plotting to destroy Jesus, they're actually carrying out the will of God for Jesus to die for the sins of the people. This is how Jesus will be crowned Messiah, God's chosen king. It'll be through suffering on a cross to death and then rising to new life to break the power of sin, to break the slavery of sin. Um, and so although they think they're plotting to destroy Jesus, they're doing inadvertently the, the very will of God. This is the irony we see in Mark's gospel. And in our culture today, many people um, reject Jesus as the son of God, just like Judas ultimately and the religious leaders. They don't accept that Jesus is the son of God who has to die and rise again. They, people may see him as uh, some kind of prophet or great teacher, um, but like Gandhi or, or other figures, but they don't honor him and worship him and serve him as God's chosen king. You see, our culture rejects um, anybody other than human beings as worthy of worship. Um, you know, there are, there are dictators who erect statues of themselves around the world. But ultimately, our culture says that human beings are the pinnacle of creation that we are the ones who are in control of history and of technology and of the future. We, we don't accept as a human race, a higher being, generally speaking. We believe that we're in charge of the world and its history. We're encouraged to seek freedom and contentment on our own terms. We're encouraged to be autonomous, free-thinking, independent individuals, not dependent on God or any other higher being. But rejecting Jesus is to reject that God, the plan that God has for us. You see, God created us as human beings to love him, serve him and honor and obey him as king. And it's in this honoring and serving him that we find true fulfillment, true contentment, true happiness, true meaning, true purpose. In rejecting Jesus as our king, we don't find the freedom that our culture offers us. So the first thing is that it's possible for even religious people to oppose Jesus and to reject him. But we see here in Mark's gospel, true de devotion comes through submission to Jesus. The anointing of Jesus by the unnamed woman takes place in the home of Simon the leper at Bethany. Simon was probably healed by Jesus. And we know from John's account of the same passage that the woman who's unnamed in Mark is Mary. Um, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And this is significant because in John chapter 11, which comes before John's account in John 12, Mary has just witnessed the raising of her brother Lazarus from the dead. And we're told in John's gospel, John 12, that this meal that they're all celebrating together is to honour Jesus, presumably for raising Lazarus from the dead. And it's during this meal that Mary takes an expensive jar of nard, an expensive Indian uh, perfume, and she breaks the jar and pours it over Jesus' head. The NIV footnote tells us that this was worth a year's wages or 300 denarii. Can you imagine the look of horror? This may well have been a family heirloom, of course. Mary was not known to be wealthy. Um, the pot itself would have had value, but the, the nard inside was 
you know, I, I don't know what the average salary is in in Surrey or the southeast of England, but can you imagine pouring away a year's worth of nard over someone's head? But this is what happens. And Mary does this to express her love, her gratitude, her thanksgiving, presumably her devotion to Jesus, who has brought her brother Lazarus back from the dead. But those present miss this act of devotion entirely, and they consider this a complete waste of money. Mark says in verse four, some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? Now, the phrase we're saying indignantly translates as they snorted angrily. They were really, really angry with Mary. And Matthew tells us in his account that it was the disciples who were angry at Mary for this wasteful act. In John's account, it's Judas who says it's all a waste of money. Why were they so angry? Verse five tells us it could have been sold, they said, for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor and they rebuked her harshly. Now, you, at this point, I have some sympathy with Judas and the disciples. Um, this was an awful lot of money, which appears to have been wasted. And, the, and it's true. The money could have been used to help the poor. A year's worth of salary was poured out, wasted here. But, and this wasn't such an expect, unexpected act at Passover. It was customary for the Jews to give almsgiving to give to the poor during Passover. And so it's not so surprising that they should come out with this religious indignation. But look at Jesus' response in verse six. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Instead of condemning Mary, Jesus says they should have been commending her. That this was a beautiful act of love, of worship, of devotion to him. Jesus is saying, look, you're not going to have me for much longer. Jesus has predicted already that he will die on a cross and rise again. He's going away from them. They have all the time in the world after he's left and gone back to heaven to serve the poor. But Jesus, they will not have for much longer. Now, in addition to this, Jesus interprets Mary's act as anointing him for burial. Um, now, we don't know whether Mary understood this symbolic um, depth of, of interpretation. We, Mark doesn't tell us, John doesn't tell us, and Matthew doesn't tell us. We don't, uh, we don't know. We simply, we, what we do know is that it was an act of, of devotion and worship for Jesus. But Jesus interprets it in a much deeper way. You see, the context is that Jesus is in Bethany because he's traveling into Jerusalem each day in preparation for the Passover. The Passover was the annual reminder of the release of the Jews from slavery in Egypt. And the Passover feast on the Thursday night included wine, unleavened bread, and lamb with herbs and spices. This reminded the Jews of the night when the angel of death passed over all the Egyptian and Jewish houses. 
And the Jews would have been instructed to paint the blood of a lamb on the doorposts and door frames. And when the angel of, of the Lord saw the, the blood painted on the doorposts, he passed over the Hebrew homes and the um, firstborn of the Hebrews were spared. But the Egyptian homes that didn't have the, the lintels and doorposts painted, the Egyptian firstborn were killed. And it was only after this that Pharaoh let the Israelite people go. This plague on the firstborn of Egypt was the final straw. And after that, Pharaoh didn't want any more plagues coming on his people. And so he let the Jews go. And as an annual reminder, they were to eat unleavened bread, which reminded them that they were to eat bread without yeast, showing the haste with which they were called to leave Egypt. And they were to drink wine as a reminder of the, the blood that was um, painted on the doorposts. And they were to eat the lamb as a reminder of the sacrifice of the lamb that provided the blood for the doorposts. And the spices and the bitter herbs reminded them of the time that they had in bitter slavery in Egypt. And when we come to the next day, when Jesus sits down to celebrate the Passover feast with his disciples on the Thursday evening, Jesus transforms the usual annual reminder into a feast about himself. He says that the unleavened bread has become his body. And he says that the wine will become his blood. And of course, he was speaking about the death that he would die on the Good Friday. His body would become the sacrifice and his blood would become the new covenant blood, which would be shared for the forgiveness of sins. And this was what Jesus was alluding to. Mary, whether she knew it or not, had anointed his body in preparation for his death and burial on Good Friday and Easter Saturday. She did far more than she could ever know. But her act was a growing love for Jesus. Jesus was the one who'd raised her brother Lazarus from the dead. And in Mary's eyes, Jesus required honour and devotion and worship. So what can we learn from this passage? Three things. First, devotion for Jesus trumps all other purposes and passion. You see, on the surface, the disciples appear to have a religious and righteous motive. Is it better, I wonder, to throw away a year's worth of expensive perfume or to help those in desperate poverty? I think we're supposed to feel the tension of that in the passage. You know, which is the best? I, my, my gut reaction is it's, a, what is it? it's a bit wasteful, actually, what Mary does. But Jesus makes this shocking assertion that the costly devotion of Mary in this moment was more important than helping the poor. Now, that's not an easy decision to make. But in that moment, when Jesus is going to the cross, when Jesus is going away, the priority was to worship and honour him. Why? Because he's, he is worthy of it and because he's the means by which all people in the future could come to God and be reconciled to God. And this tells us something important about priorities in the life of our church. Um, it is absolutely right that we serve the poor as a church. Jesus did this, didn't he, constantly. He reached out to the poor and to those on the margins 
And the woman in the story, Mary, is an example of someone who's not an insider, she's an outsider. First of all, she's a woman, and she's not, we're not she, we don't know that she's especially religious. But she gets honoured by Jesus, and Jesus spent so much time healing the untouchables, the lepers, the, those with bleeding issues, those um, who are demon-possessed. He touched and healed the poor and the marginalised. And so as a church, we are called to minister to the marginalized and the poor. However, this passage reminds us that there's an order of priority. Our first and foremost duty as the church is worship and devotion to Jesus Christ. You see, if we don't hold that in, in balance, we can end up being a kind of social action church. A church that is very busy and involved in the local community, but who don't present the saving news of Jesus Christ to people. And Jesus commissioned us to go and make disciples of all nations. Serving and ministering to the poor and marginalized and the frail is important and is the way that we give cre credibility and authenticity to the gospel. We are called to do that, but more important, we call people to love and serve and worship Jesus Christ. That must trump all other social concerns. The truth is we reach out to people, we reach out to the poor, the vulnerable, the marginalized, the frail, but we offer them the good news of Jesus Christ. Those two aspects must be held together. John Stott used to say that social action and evangelism are two blades of a pair of scissors or two wings on a bird. They must be kept together. Second, it is possible to serve with the wrong motives. It's possible to serve God with selfish motives. I don't know if you've ever thought of that, but it is. Or at least to appear to serve God and still have selfish motives. You see, in John's account, Judas is the one who self-righteously judges Mary's act as wasteful. Now, do you spot the hypocrisy here? It's Judas who betrays Jesus for money. And we're told in John's gospel that, jo that um, Judas was not exactly uh, totally a person of trustworthiness when it came to the treasury, when it came to the money. And isn't it ironic or hypocritical perhaps that Judas says the money could have been used to help the poor in John's gospel? So what is coming out of Judas's mouth sounds religious and pious and righteous, and yet his heart is one of greed, self-centeredness and self-glory. Now you say, and I say, well, that was Judas. Thank goodness I'm not like Judas. But in saying I'm not like Judas, I'm in danger then of missing the point of the passage. It is possible for me and for you to serve with impure and mixed motives. You see, we can say that we're serving Jesus in our church, our workplace, our community, but we can be seeking glory for ourselves. We, we can secret, we would never ever say this out loud, would we? But we can secretly be looking, fishing for affirmation. When we serve on rotors, when we serve and do what we do, we, we're looking always for affirmation. Um, we're, we're, we're always thinking, nobody's thanked me for what I've done today. We, we can always be thinking, well, I really hope, I really, my heart is really desiring somebody to recognise all that I'm doing for this church. 
Now, please don't hear me wrong. Encouragement is a good thing. We should give encouragement and feedback to people. But I'm talking about those of us who are serving here. We, our hearts are very able to go fishing for affirmation where God doesn't want us to fish. God wants us to serve the audience of one. If he was the only one that we were serving, that's enough, according to scripture. We love and serve God first and foremost for who he is. We don't serve to gather in positive comments from other people. When people encourage us, it's lovely and we welcome it, but we don't serve to fish for affirmation and encouragement. There's a huge subtle difference there. Um, let's face it, we all like to be told that we're, in, that, we're, that we're sacrificial, generous, compassionate, loving people who serve others, you know, and that may be true. The difference is when we go looking for that and when our heart yearns for that, we've crossed the line. Um, if, how, do you, how do you diagnose that disease of the heart? Well, here, here's a way, I, I know because I suffer from it myself. When we don't, when, when we feel that people are not recognizing us, there's a danger that we might just be straying into serving with the wrong motives. We welcome encouragement when it comes, but it, even when encouragement doesn't come, we say we're serving the audience of one and he's enough. Third and lastly, delighting in Jesus is the true motive for serving. You see, Jesus wants us to remember Mary and her devotion. So he says in verse nine, I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Isn't that wonderful? This act of pouring out perfume on Jesus is written down and recorded in the Gospels forever and ever. Mary is known in the Gospel, not because she was self-seeking and proud and looking for affirmation, precisely because she kneeled before Jesus and did this extravagant, wasteful act in pure love and devotion to him. Isn't that incredible? That the first shall be last and the last shall be first. That the humble shall be lifted up and the proud fall from their lofty heights. You see, the only thing that mattered to Mary was that she was loved and welcomed by Jesus. She, she wasn't embarrassed or she didn't hide away when she was condemned and criticized by the disciples for what she did. She just went ahead and did it. Her love and devotion to Jesus was so, had so overwhelmed her. What Jesus had done for her brother Lazarus so overwhelmed her that she didn't care what others thought of her. She just did this extravagant, wasteful act out of pure love and devotion for Jesus. That's a heart that is purely devoted to Jesus. That's a heart that's not looking for affirmation, not looking to do the right things so that we'll get good feedback, not looking um, for a kind of... Um, you know, the sort of comments that say, what a wonderful person you are, Mary. In fact, she gets condemned for her service and love and devotion, but she doesn't care. She loves Jesus first and foremost. She's secure in Jesus' love for her and in her love for Jesus. She doesn't need the affirmation and encouragement of those around her. She already has that in Jesus. And so she's able to do this extravagant act of worship from a place of security. The love of Jesus has freed her 
from the need of affirmation to just be able to extravagantly and purely serve Jesus without any mixed motives. Isn't that wonderful? What an example she is to us. Wouldn't you and me love to be free of that heart's desire to be recognized and affirmed in our service? Wouldn't we just love to break free of that and to be able to say with Mary, I serve and I love Jesus because he lo has loved and served and has forgiven me and cleansed me and brought me into his kingdom. That's enough for me to serve. Wouldn't that be wonderful if our hearts were free like Mary's of mixed motives for serving rather than always be self-righteously condemning others who are not serving as we are, feeling that we're not being recognized for our service, being judgmental in our attitudes towards others, forgetting that we've been forgiven, welcomed and loved for God and that's enough. Let's pray. Jesus, forgive us that we serve often with mixed motives. Lord, we would never admit this to you or to anyone else, but Lord, sometimes we serve and we get angry and cross when we, when we feel that others are not recognizing us. Lord, forgive us for our heart disease. Forgive us for our mixed motives. Lord, we're not serving you or the church. We're not serving you in our workplaces or in our families to get, to get recognition or status or to have people say what wonderful people we are. Lord, we want to be like Mary. We want our hearts to be filled with your love and for that love to overflow in service to others so that our service flows out of a heart of love for you. So Jesus, forgive us for our hard hearts. Forgive us for our mixed motives. Forgive us for our self-centered pride and fill us more, Lord, with your love. We want to be humble like Mary. We want to be focused on you, Jesus, extravagantly pouring out our love and devotion. So Jesus, change our hearts, fill our hearts with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Martin. Steve, please uh, lead us in a, a response song. Thank you. Hungry, I come to you, for I know you satisfy. I am empty, but I know your love does not run dry. So I'll wait for you. So I'll wait for you. I'm falling on my knees. my life so I'll wait 
that we are uh, needy, hungry people. And we thank you, Jesus, that you met with us at our point of need and that you satisfied that need. But as we go into this week, we go into a world that is hungry, a world that is needing the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray through the power of your spirit working in us that we might serve you in some way this week, in the communities in which we live, that we might serve you within our family and our friends by bringing the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word to us this morning and may it bless us and through it, may we bless other people. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like prayer, then uh, please text John on 07880081635 and you'll be put in a prayer room with a member of the prayer team. Uh, we look forward to seeing you on Friday at 10 o'clock. But until then, have a good week and God bless you all.